Hello and good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever and whenever you are. This is Into the Black Archive and it's about to get hot, hot, hot because we're talking about Inferno, uh, the John Pertwee story, seven parts of pure flaming lava. Uh, and it's Owen a Pratt- hot in the colour. Oh, a little bit hot in the colour. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a spicy podcast. We're going up that Nando's chart right for top. <laughs> This is this is obviously the the prelude to the fan fiction we've been writing for months about uh, Third Doctor, Lethbridge Stewart, and Liz go to Nando's. I haven't, James. <laughs> what do, do you, what you think? Tell us something here. Well, I think I think the the, the preeminent question <laughs> is what would the Doctor make of a Nando's? I think preeminent question is why have you been thinking about this for six months? We haven't even been watching this for six this season for six months. I'd like to think ahead. Hmm. Look, look, it's not like... It, look, who at the moment needs some ideas, right? You've got to try anything. Yeah, we're getting beep the meep in. You know, we really are scraping. <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. so how do, how do you sum this episode up? Because it's it's got a lot going on and simultaneously not much going on. Wasted potential. Yes, that's I, I the think best two words. I think would be my words would be my two words right before we get into this i want to discuss something with you which i think you might disagree with me on or not okay right let, let me just let me just set this up this episode is overly bloated and too long now i've got a way we can solve this and shrink the episode countdown the bizarre green goo which turns people into monsters move that take off three episodes We've actually got a f- quite an interesting concept and that's something which doesn't drag on for so long. Those monster things do nothing for this story. But Correct. drag it on. The, the, mon- the monster thing... <sighs> what you've got in this episode is a bunch of cool ideas were thrown at the wall and they're all yeah. quite cool ideas on their own. Like, I understand why they ran with all of them. Like, they make sense in isolation. But they've tried to pack them all in at once and you get this really disjointed story that doesn't feel like it. And I think that's why Wasted Potential feels so accurate. It doesn't feel like it actually captures what the point of it all was. I feel like they go into, I think for best, for best stuff of it is the alternative timeline stuff. Yes. But they spend too long farting around with these bizarre werewolf-like thingies. Yep. And so they don't go into it fast enough. And then we kind of just then we spend the last episode in the alternative universe still fannying around with bizarre werewolf thingies, and then we get to the last actual episode. We resolve the story. Werewolf things are never work. We never discuss where they come from, why they're there, how they're there, or what their future will be. We just kind of go. Eh, eh, it's just sort of oh there. that happens. Mm. It is accepted and not questioned. It's kind of, yeah, they're werewolves now. What of it? Well, yeah. get the fire extinguishers out. Yeah. Also, fire extinguisher, best weapon in this entire episode. Um, it's nice to get. It's nice to see the fire extinguisher get some get some much needed love. I think. You say this. When I was watching this, I was legitimately noticing all of the fire extinguishers around the set, thinking, "They're going a little bit over the top here with fire safety, aren't they?" <laughs> 
Yes, the be, the people drilling into molten lava are going over the top with fire safety. That's the that's your concern. And then and then suddenly it all becomes. We work out why because that's yes, the main weapon. It's a it's Chekhov's fire hydrant. If you if yeah. you place a fire hydrant in the office, you have to use it eventually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this episode has a lot of things going on. What I will say as well, because we, I know we're doing end of season what happened soon, because this is the last one of this series. Um, there are a lot of contenders for best death in this one. If, if you don't pick one from Inferno for best death, there is a good four or five. And that, best that as well. Oh, and God, I know the screen well. you're referring to. There is it the one some. where he falls off the top? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's no, a cartwheel. Note my track record here. I will forget that by our recording probably next week. I will, I've got a note of it in my head. <laughs> like I, that, I remember watching it. Just that, duly note that down for later. Yeah, that there was perfect. That's a special. If, if you've seen it, you probably know what we're talking about. Uh, and of course, if you haven't listened to one of these before, spoilers ahead beyond this point. I so, mean, we're just pretty much spoiled. Yeah, spoiler anyway. was the entire thing, but spoilers, <laughs> more spoilers are coming. We should just have a, sp- a spoiler alert at the end of the episode. <laughs> so what we should spoiler, do is... Spoiler alert, guys. Spoiler alert, guys. What was the score out of 10? <laughs> Thank you very much for listening in for Black Archive. Hope you enjoyed. Please remember to subscribe. <laughs> well, well, I think you should... You know when you go on, uh, you know when you're on Twitter... And yes. someone always does the spoiler post. They go, um, I don't know, Stranger Things 4, spoilers. And then they do like five dots as if that possibly shadows the spoiler. And you can see it right there. <laughs> right. Same so on the topic of spoilers. I just want to quickly discuss something, which, 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 uh, two things about spoilers, which breaks me completely. Is this Number the question one, of, did Doctor Who invent spoilers? No. Number one, I seem to. I don't care about spoilers, and I never seem to get spoiled by anything. So I'm assuming which me not caring means I just don't notice spoilers or care enough to read them. So we should just <laughs> okay. not care about spoilers. Number two, I can't watch anything without spoiling it for myself by looking ahead of what happens in the episode synopsis. I am yeah, but broken. That's, but that's your fault. <laughs> you I, need to I know, understand I, that. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 I know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty well. That's my fault. I'm just saying I'm weird, and I don't understand why. I think... The good, the good news, listeners, is that this is not our marketing to move us into a therapy podcast yet. But I, I don't know how you fix that. I guess the only thing you could do is uh, you'd have to put on the episode that someone would have to take your phone away and throw it in the corner of the room. Yeah, because I'm not joking. So this is actually, I am just going to put it to say spoiler here in case you haven't watched it, even though it will come out in a few months' time. Um, I've finally gotten around to watching Heartstopper. Yeah, yeah, which is On, which I've heard's very good. I've not seen it, but I've heard it's very good. It's very good. I had to research something about that on episode two to make sure it would actually happen at the end. Because I'm like going, I'm, it's annoying me. I need to know if this happens at the end. But I think I know why. Right? I can remember. So this gets back to when I was doing teacher training, because I did teach training last year. Is this just you just explaining your appetite for control? No. Dyslexia. Oh. When, when dyslexic people, for some reason, for whatever reason, have the urge to jump down. Sort of like when they're reading, they will often sort of like want to know how that page finishes, so they just jump down to the end automatically. I think it's something to do with that. Yeah. Is that because, and forgive me if this is a stupid question, because I don't live with no. dyslexia and I don't know what it's like. Is it, When you scroll down to the bottom of the paragraph, is that to like get an idea of where it's going 
to, to give you an idea of what the words might be in the middle. Yes, but it often means you then miss the middle and then you don't know really know what's going on. All right, well, you know, it's it's a it's a it's an attempt. <laughs> it's an attempt. Like at least it gives you an emotional context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, I always thought, because some, sometimes, I don't know, maybe you're watching a movie and you want to... One of the things I do that, that I really shouldn't is, like, if I watch a movie I've like maybe already seen, but maybe not have for a while, like I've maybe watched it six or seven years ago, I mm. might get my phone and just check if it's like, this really happened. Wow, that happened? I didn't remember that or, or something like that. I might do that. Oh yeah, but but rewatches are rewatches are good. Mm. Um, yeah. Should Away from spoilers, char- characters. Talk, talk about some characters in this. I think we should talk about some characters. There's a few. There's a few side characters worth mentioning as well. I think quite a few mm. in this episode. Um, who is who is the one you want to start with? Um, especially because we have duplicates of two of our main ones, so that's going to take some time to explain. Should we start off with the one which isn't a duplicate first, then? Should we start Mr. Mr. John Pertwee, the third Doctor. Yes. What a strange episode this man has. I, I still like being with him. I enjoy his company. I enjoy his company, although I have to say, the way they the way they wrote Pertwee in this episode of Simons was very Hartnell-esque, I thought. There was a lot more of it. He was more prepared, I think, than we've seen him in a long time to abandon things. Like right at the end, where he's just like, I, I've got time to work and I'm off. Um, see ya, and it doesn't work. Yeah, this episode, we were saying which this episode has got a lot of good contenders for best screen, best death. It's also got a lot of good contenders for the worst thing for Doctor Did. Pretty much all of them, yeah. Because his entire drive in this episode is effectively... So to, to give a brief context to the plot, there's a driller going on. They're trying to penetrate the Earth's crust, and this needs a nuclear reactor to power it. The Doctor, by being an expert, has been allowed to use a bit of it to try and kickstart this working, getting the TARDIS working again. And that's his whole drive throughout the episode. It doesn't really matter what happens at the plant. He's just concerned with having the power on so that he can try and get the TARDIS to work so that he can get out. He also cares about majorly pissing off the guy who's in charge, which I just enjoy. Yes, he is incredibly sarcastic towards him. And it's one of my favourite parts of this episode. He, he's got to be... Oh, what's it? Starman? Sparman? I can't remember which one it was. Starman. Something along those lines, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that, you know, charge of the plant. Yeah. I can't think of a character who's had more verbal abuse lobbed at him and both as much verbal abuse come back from him. Yes. Yes. I think the Doctor in this one here was good. We're getting to the action route of the Doctor, but we're still sticking with the Doctor being the knowledgeable one as well as being the action man. Yes. And I quite like the fact he was doing more unlikable things. I don't know. I've always found that adds more complexity mm. to the Doctor character. I think you can get a lot of Doctors, certainly in modern Who, and particularly Jodie, I think it's one of the problems that Jodie has, is that you never really see Jodie do anything wrong. Like she's always very idealistic and she does the right thing all the time. The fact is, normal people don't do the right thing all the time. No, no bad person is all bad. No good person is all good. You know, that... And sometimes I think we forget that. It's nice to see occasionally him have a bit of a bad step, but find his way to the good in the end. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was definitely a good episode on his side. Shall yeah. we well, go he has to on... carry a lot of it because of yeah. the duplicates. Shall we go on to the final episode for this person? Liz Shaw. We don't see yeah. 
Yeah, we never see Liz again. It's and there's no real tease of that. No. It just there's no mention of it. It's not like she dies or anything. She's absolutely fine at the end of the episode. She's laughing with them. We just won't see her again. So no. I'm sure that'll be explained away when we get to Terror of the Autons next. Yeah. Should we have a Big trip, Finish I exists. I've been listening to some Big Finish with her in and I'm very happy. Very good. Uh, yeah, in terms of the last episode, it's it kind of solidifies everything Liz was really. It doesn't develop the character much, but no, it's, it feels like it's too much of a sudden end for the character. We haven't had enough time with her because I feel like she could be amazing. Yeah, it's... I think she's been good, but you can. It's it's a little bit of a shame that there hasn't been more time because it feels like a bit of unfinished business or a bit of lost potential because there's definitely more that could have been done with her. Similar to it, Zoe, actually. It, I'm happy, though, which her last episode, we had her being a scientist yes. rather than just a tea lady, which we saw hints of in uh I've which one it was the second one from this oh yeah Silurians Silurians yeah yeah Doctor and the Silurians uh yeah it was good that they seemed to just consolidate what was strong about Liz in this episode yeah. everything felt like that's the character it's not going to change now she's knowledgeable she's equal parts caring equal parts bright. she's a very good character that feels fleshed out and probably the strongest female companion we've had since Barbara right at the start. Yeah. Um, and could have been stronger, maybe, if we if we got a bit more time with her. Yeah, it's just a shame she left. Yes. Uh, we're not saying goodbye to Lethbridge Stewart, though, are Should we? Should we quickly talk about her duplicate? I think I feel like once we get to Lethbridge Stewart, we talk about both duplicates, because that feels like okay. its own universe to talk about. Cool. That's yeah, that, that feels like we can talk about it in its entirely own way. Uh, yeah, Lethbridge Stewart is. Ah, man. He's just good to watch all the time. Yeah. And I love the way that, as almost they've worked together more, they've the Doctor and Lethbridge Stewart have become more irritated by each other. Yes. It's it's like they're realizing that ideologically they're just so far apart, and that's a that's a bridge they can never cross quite quite fully. They're too stubborn for each other. Opposites attract, and they're still really good friends about it. Yes, even when they insult each other, which they do quite a lot. <laughs> now, there is actually something which I wanted to say about the Doctor and Lethbridge, their scene. Mm. Sorry if you can hear any barking behind me. Yeah, I can open because It's very hot at, at, at the moment when we're recording. Yeah, recording this. in heatwave. Um, in fact, which, Fitting, when, the doc- when the Doctor has got the photo trying to find Lethbridge Stewart's face. I don't know if this is an intentional callback or not, but I'd like to think it is in my head canon. It's mm. a callback to when um, the Doctor couldn't rebuild Jamie's face because he couldn't remember what it looked like. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a reach. I'll, I, I'll give you that. Reach, but but, but that, 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 thinking that's a callback makes me happy. See, I like to think of that as just a joke that all soldiers look quite similar at that time. <laughs> that, that also does work. I, th- I think I'm happy both? with yeah, I think it's both. Jokes can be multifunctional. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think the best thing about Alistair, and I think has always been, is Nicholas Courtney has this way about him that's just eminently compelling. Yeah. You, lo- you love watching what he'll do next. He saw- he's always kind of divided between that, that kind of that military conditioning that he knows because that's what he's been brought up on and he's been a brigadier and he's been a couple all this time. That's the world he knows, but... 
him loosening up to the fact that he now knows there's plenty more than meets the eye on Earth, and he's got to deal with he's got to deal with the Doctor and Liz all the time. So he's torn between those two sides of him, and so it's it's nice to see the interplay between that. And I think people don't give Courtney a lot of credit for how well he acts that. Mm. Like he does so much without doing much at all. Yeah. Uh, that it's it's always watchable and always keeps you coming back. I've really liked this team actually the whole way through. Even when the episodes haven't been fantastic, they've always been solid. Cool. So shall we look at our duplicates? Yeah. I mean, we can even start talking about the story here in a way because the main, the main, or like I suppose here's here comes a pun for you. The core. Yeah, in the earth. Got to get to the core um, of the story <laughs> is that after episode two, the Doctor's doing one of these TARDIS trials. The nuclear power, for a couple of reasons, ratchets up and sends the TARDIS off Whee! into the ether. And when the TARDIS comes back, the Doctor is back in his office, apart from the fact he is in an entirely parallel world, which is the first time we've really seen a parallel world on Who. Yeah. Obviously, parallel worlds get brought back up later on. RTD fans will, of course, know about Bad Wolf Bay and Journey's End, of course, talks about all the parallel dimensions and things. And if we ever had Rose Tyler Earth Defense, we could have had the entire series in a parallel world. So we're not we're not strangers to it. But this was uncharted territory for who when this got done. Yeah, and I think it's the best part about this episode is when we're dealing with the alternative universe with the different dynamics of how we expect our for Liz to be, how we expect the Brig to be. It just isn't. It's just changed up, and it's quite fun to see our characters play evil. Yes, it, I think you could tell how much fun they were having as well. I think that's what made that section of the story. I say section; it's about half the story we spend in the parallel world. To be honest, um, where yeah. you've got. Brigadier has no moustache and an eye patch. <laughs> and, and Liz is basically a, a hardened security woman who has no she aspirations to be leader. a scientist. Yes, yeah, section, section leader. leader. And and um, Alistair is brigade leader. Brigade What's leader. Benton again? Squadron under leader or something ridiculous. <laughs> no. Try again. Se- section under leader. Try again. He's under leader something. That's definitely wrong. He's he's it's something under leader. I know it's something under leader. I remember. Is it division under leader? Nope. Regiment under leader. Nope. I've already said it. You're just trick questioning me. You haven't actually said what it. What the hell is it then? One more guess. Boys under leader. No. <laughs> this isn't scouts. <laughs> Brownie's underleader. Plat- platoon underleader. It's platoon. Platoon underleader. Are you kidding it. me? I thought you would guess it. Well, it's just how many military words do you just have off the top of your head? It was like it was like being in a thesaurus. <laughs> no. Platoon underleader. Benton is an underrated character this season, by the way. I, we I see quite that. a lot of Benton. And duplicate Benton is just as good. Yeah, 
I Although obviously way more satanic. I mean, the only the only real difference in this parallel world that I can work out is is there's this very offhand comment that actually means quite a lot that the royal family was executed <laughs> during the Second World War uh, and they've been living in a republic for however many years. And there's like a lot of Big Brother style posters around. And this is why we shouldn't abolish monarchy. Yes, because dictatorship will prevail. Because effectively, the republic runs on the principle that. People are essentially slaves, and if they don't do their jobs well, they can be disappeared or dispatched of. Apart from that, it's just sort of subtle differences. You get, I think, the best difference has to be sort of evil Brig. Yeah, because Brig is both evil, way more dictatorial, and yet way more cowardly all yeah, at once. It, and it's fantastic. It really does just show, isn't it? It's, it's like when you have that. It literally happens when you have that bad manager who doesn't quite accept which you're going as fast as you can to go. Mm. But still, they're still they're going, go faster. You need to go faster. Why is this taking so long, James? Why Why are we still doing this? James, why is this episode taking so long? It's like, we're already 20 minutes in. We need to speed this up. Okay, so when we talk about Luffy's ship, blah, 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 then we move on to the shot. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, I think the thing I really like about that is, is Courtney got so much chance to have fun with it and be maniacal and then yes. and then when when things because uh i think it's safe to say that things go all tits up in the parallel world uh with the drilling and essentially without confirming it or showing it that world absolutely comes to an end yep like full apocalypse oblivion stuff and they all die uh but it's should fine I, should i tell you what this reminds me of. And it's such an obscure thing. I don't know you actually know it exists. thought you were just going to mention the fact that several trillion people die in flux and then are brought back with no explanation. No. It's something even better, which I have now lost. So give me one second. Because I have done some research on this. So it, it reminds me of an old cartoon I watched as a child. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 infamous cartoon that blew the world up. Yes, it was a kids' cartoon called Dog Star. Do you know Dog about this Star? Cartoon? No. So it was an Australian animated TV show. Oh, that explains it. Yeah, everything will be upside it, down, won't it? It was on CBB. It must have been on CBBC because that's all I had access to. Um, but it was from 2006, 2011. Um, it was essentially this. This is this is the concept of this story, and it's amazing. Um, Earth dies. Uh, Earth, Earth, Earth is too polluted and just dies. So all of Earth fly off to New Earth. All of right. the dogs get sent off in a separate spaceship. But does it miss? An evil millionaire messes with a computer and loses for dogs. So everyone has to buy his robo dogs. And so what happens to the normal dogs? Uh, the whole thing is, um, the entire point of the show is, them, is a bunch of kids going out to try to save the dog. Dogs All right, cool, cool, cool. Dog. That's fine. I didn't want the dogs to die. That'd be too much. No. Um, but in the final episode of the first season, this is, this is what it reminded me of. So the entire plot, I don't know how I remember this. I don't remember anything else from this TV show aside from this plot point. But this is a vivid memory. Yes. Um, the evil guy who made for Robo Dogs is drilling to a centre of the Earth, which will, which then destroys New Earth. 
Or it's about to be <laughs> worse. Ah, oh, we found your influences now, Dogster. <laughs> Is there a parallel world that shows up in Dogstar by any chance? Or did they think that was a bit too much for the kids? Uh, we're going back to 2007 when that episode aired. I've got no clue. <laughs> yeah, parallel worlds were all the rage back then. That's fine. Like 15 years ago? God knows how how bizarre you remember that. that. Although to be fair, I I remember bizarre bits of kids shows from back then. I can't believe you never watched Dogstar. No, I never watched Dogstar. I was um, well, I wasn't. I wasn't in Britain at the time, which is probably the best explanation for why I haven't watched CBBC programming. No excuse. It's Australian. Okay, it was an import. Whatever. (laughs) Where did you watch (laughs) it? No, no, I'll, I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you what I was growing up on, okay? H2O, Just Add Water. What yep. a program. Yes. <laughs> what? Did, you, did, did you know they did a sequel to that? Yes. <laughs> I've seen the sequels. It's rubbish. Of course I watched it. Like, you, you, can, you can't tell me you can't be curious about um, an H2O sequel. <laughs> Folks, I, look, I know this is a tangent. This might not even make the edit. But um, if you have... Why are we going into our Guilty Secret TV shows? No, it's fine. We'll get off it in a minute. But if, you, if you've if you not seen H2O Just Add Water, um, I think it may be still on Netflix in the UK somewhere. Um, please go and watch it. And when you do, get an inc- a copious amount of alcohol. No drinking Don't... rules. Just, just drink. <laughs> You will uh, love this program. There are three series of it to get into, each more absurd than the last, and you will love each moment of it. And then when you're done with that, go watch the originals, because they basically all turn up on that show for some reason. Yes. Isn't that show also Australian? Yes, it is, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what are the Australians doing? <laughs> it's Australian. Because <laughs> it's all like, Cleo, don't go in the water. <laughs> Yeah, when right <laughs> when we're done with this podcast in however many years it will take, H two O every episode from the beginning. <laughs> so so no no no, we're gonna get this back on track. This back on track. I- I've got a segue. We're gonna get this back on track with it with a neat segue <laughs> from water to fire. Inferno. <laughs> Inferno. Oh man. Uh. So. Parallel world is fun. It's a great idea, but my feeling is, and I wonder whether you agree with me on it. Oh my god! Fuck me. Oh right, 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 right. I can save this. I can save this. You, I've just been saving it. What are you going in? <laughs> so yeah, so so parallel world where Earths get destroyed. What 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 do we think about this? I think it's a great idea. On paper, <laughs> you know, the problem. Is, do you know why I'm laughing? It's because I know you left a gap. Because I know you want to edit it out, but I'm telling you, you're not going to edit it out. <laughs> right, hold on. Uh, let me, let me, uh, let me refresh. So yeah, the the thing with the parallel world is that it's a great idea on paper. Because yeah. obviously you get to explore these duplicate characters. Everyone gets to have fun. It's a bit like Enemy of the World, isn't it? When Troughton gets to play mm. Salamander and, and has a bit of fun with that character. The issues... I think there's two main issues with how they do it. 
that that means in the end for me it doesn't quite work as it should. One, the parallel world doesn't really have an internal logic that I can understand. Mm-hmm. I think the best parallel universes usually have a point of divergence from the main universe. Um, trying to think of a good example of this in the narrative it just sort of seems that things happen differently because they do and it would be fun which is which is fine like it creates good I scenarios think it, i think it makes sense i think things do happen and they should do it so i've we take the element of they're all evil yeah i think the other thing is it's like there's no real explanation of why the parallel universe is running behind in time because that seems to be what what the thing is the parallel universe is sorry the parallel universe is ahead of the real one yeah and there doesn't really seem to be an explanation of that it just kind of is because it could be it's nothing wrong with it i just think it lessens the experience of them building the world out and fleshing it out properly yeah. because i think you could have done it in a more proper way the second problem i think is more fundamental mm-hmm. which is the fact that i think the best way to do a parallel world story especially when the parallel world is so linked with what's happening in the real world is to intercut between them. They did them. a bit. They do a bit. I think... But it doesn't happen nearly enough. I think that must... Honestly, I'm happy with that because A, I think the prime universe, this bit is the worst element of this story. Okay. Two, I imagine it's most likely a technical limitation of the fact which they do all of this in studio recording, so it's harder to switch between the two. The thing is, yeah, if obviously if you're recording it live, that creates an issue. Certainly in the modern world of television making, um, you could do it quite easily, but yeah. certainly in the 70s it was harder. What I think the problem it creates, though, is that you don't get to see like the domino effect too much about where the divergences are. And so it feels like, because we spend maybe episodes three and four almost wholly, like with maybe one intercut, in the parallel timeline. And I think the issue with that is, is you kind of lose track of the story that you were on. It does feel like the entire story just completely goes in a different direction with no real warning. And you forget where you were. I think it does. I think everything which happens makes sense from the rules they made. Because when the doctor gets back, right, when the doctor gets back, it's, he sort of treats it like he had a dream effectively that's the effect it has it doesn't nothing that happens in the parallel universe really directly affects the real one the only thing that really affects is the fact the doctor was there and learned something from it which he probably could have learned in the real universe so you have to then justify was the parallel universe really justified i think they're more justified than for bizarre monster things i I agree with that because the monster things don't do anything at all which is another discussion we'll have I think it works, and I think where it does divert, it diverts with some element of logic. Like for major elements, for driving think of where it, where it doesn't, where it does divert, is the fact which guy whose name I've forgotten, Keith, Keith Gold, so Keith, Keith Gold, Gold. Keith, so Keith Gold survives in the Prime Universe, while yeah. he dies in the not prime universe but i think that makes sense within the universe because yeah i can give you that for someone i someone to for shao man to order the death of him in the prime universe 
would be a lot less believable than it is. Yeah, in the parallel, slightly the parallel. extreme Republican universe. And that's the only real area where I can see it, it majorly diverts. Aside from yeah. the Doctor's existing one of them and not in the other. In a way, it's kind of a catch-22, because the the less you divert, the more you question why it's there. But then again, the more you divert, you kind of get confused between the two. So so it is a bit of a catch-22 play with the parallel world, and it's difficult to find that balance. I think they hit it, because, yes, they're similar, but also, way which they're not makes sense. I can go with that. I think, but even even if you go through justification, I don't think it paces well, and it and it does lead to you losing track of which story is really followable. At least for me, I, um, I think the pacing issues come mostly down to the bizarre werewolf things. It's say what should we talk about the werewolf things because because that's where the real problem is. I think the power universe you can view either way. Yeah. Because, and I should say, it is a really good idea on paper, yeah. and I liked that they went for it and they kind of committed to it. And I thought all the characters in there were really good. Yeah. Um, if we get back to the prime universe though, and all this this werewolf monster stuff, it it does just seem like they wanted something to put the kids behind the sofa, really, and they didn't think too much about where it would fit in the it, story. What it feels like is they, for writers, served to the BBC like a four part story. Mm. The acceptors went, right, we need this to be longer and we need to have some more increased threat. And Varish yeah. went away and wrote for, wrote for werewolves. Tell you what That's what it feels been. like. I reckon there's a story about drilling into the Earth's core and fire coming out and there's a story about werewolves in Green Goo that was existing in the writer's room and then someone went, well, we could only do one of these. And yeah. then they had the clever idea, well, I guess we could just do both and, and throw them in. Yeah, because I feel like even without the werewolf things, there's a lot of threat going on here, a lot of element Look, of Look, it's stakes. apocalyptic level threat. I think we're good on stakes. Because, I mean, if you look back at the parallel universe, the last thing we see of that is molten lava of incredible heat, killing and mm. massacring the world, which will inevitably end and be consumed by this fire isn't that enough because at that point what's the point of the werewolves can they survive the lava and hunt but then they're not exactly hunting down the survivors because no one's going to survive that the entire issue for me with them is that they have no point in this universe yeah because as it were there's kind of a goo that's not explained that sort of comes out from that part of the the crust it's very loose they get the goo on them and it sort of infects them and they there's a process and they become these werewolf hairy things that are incredibly hot. And it's quite safe to say which this process is very variable depending on when the plot allows it. Yes, it, it yes, for, for some it happens within 30 seconds. For Starman, it takes about 90% of the episode to, to complete. Yeah, like they they have the explanation at the end about what happens in Sentation series is because it's hot, which I accept. But it's the difference between the initial technician who essentially transforms in around five minutes. Yeah, pretty much there and then Slocum, who then goes on his killing manoeuvre. Yeah. But then we then compare it to Starman, as you say. He gets infected in like episode two and he only really turns 
episode seven. Yeah, he gets to have about like twelve "Ooh, I feel dizzy" moments before anything happens. Yeah, it's very weird. It doesn't make yeah. Much it doesn't. Sense. It just doesn't fit the story logically. And if if you take your suggestion, let's say, and we do it into a four part story, and we take the werewolves out, there's a really good episode there because you could do it a bit like a bit like the arc in a way where they mm. had the the crossover between two timelines or at least two parts of the same timeline. You could cross between the parallel world and the real world in that story and have the division between them. You draw in comparison between the two and then the solutions in one affect the solutions of the other. And that's a really interesting story and one that's a bit more fast paced as well and has, and feels like it's keeping you going the whole way. Cause I think there's not enough story really to fill Inferno up. It is a seven parter. Mm. It is a bit of a slog. It suffers from the same problem which we always say: four parts of best. Then you think longer than that. You you need longer than that. You need a really good story. I mean, the War Games even has bloat. Yeah, that, and that's an excellent story, but that has bloat as well. A seven parter that isn't particularly good feels long. Three hours mm. of a story that isn't fantastic is long, and you know you can only solve that by creating an engaging story that keeps. You're, you're entertained all the way through with tension and plot and, and all those little tricks. Yeah. Yeah. Should we talk Should we talk about some of the side characters we meet? Because there's quite a few, yeah. I think, are worth mentioning that, that, are good, that are good company throughout this episode. And they have duplicates as well. So, so yeah. two for the price of one. Uh, for example, Mr. Sutton is a, is a good deal character. The, the driller expert who's been Greg brought in. Greg Sutton. Greg Sutton, yes. I just he say he that... gets a whole story to himself in a lot of ways, really. He comes in, he takes a liking to Starman's personal assistant, Petra, and that's kind of an on and off-y will-they-won't-they they throughout the story. It's a nice subplot. Keeps yeah. it going. Greg has quite a mouth on him, <laughs> which is good to watch. Um, he's a it's bit actually... of a, he's sort of like a Cockney guy, isn't he? Like working class. and Greg is the most... How do I phrase this? Greg is most similar in both the Prime Universe and the Parallel Universe. Yeah, effectively the same character. Yeah. I suppose that's because if if you're taking the idea that Sutton comes in as an external person in both timelines, he's been in it the least. Yeah. So So I suppose he's had less influencing him. So it makes sense that he wouldn't have changed as much. Uh, But I just really enjoyed watching him kind of go off he's the person who's concerned about safety concerned about doing it in the right way and, and has no problem letting anybody know that regardless of stereotype he along with well pretty much every character in the story absolutely lays into Starman, which is the highlight of this whole thing you feel like the scriptwriters had so much fun coming up with um 70s style pithy remarks to put him down yeah which let's be honest he completely deserves and yeah he starman is I think he's another issue with this episode, but Starman is like the most blinkered character you've ever seen. I remember discussing about this similar sort of thing in another episode. It's this mentality of, I have been thinking about this thing for X amount of time, so I cannot be wrong. Yeah, that's the only justification. Starman just decides... At the, at the start of this episode, that anything he does is right, and anything anyone else can possibly think of cannot therefore be right because he didn't think of it. And, and that's the entire it, justification for him. 
and there's no justification about why he's doing it right other than that he's been looking into this thing for five years that's yeah he's just like well i've done it it's it's a shame really because i think i think that character becomes so like frustratingly one note because you know exactly what he'll do at all the time it's just constantly got Mm. the blinkers up got the got the shields up nothing's getting through any attempt at reason will fail he is just one note i'm the man it's the same in both universes as well i can't even work out which one's worse but they're both fucking annoying i mean the 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 republican universe starman seems a lot more killy yeah although realistically i don't think uh, prime universe starman would oppose it just a, just a weapons grade asshole to be honest um it does it work in the story yes because you need that antagonistic character to set things off but in a way we've seen that before you know we've we've seen plenty of doctor who stories where they arrive at a facility and the boss doesn't want to play ball that's yeah. a pretty long trodden that's essentially half, had. more than half of Troughton's stories. Yeah, that's the entire Troughton era. I mean, in some ways, this this Pertwee story felt like a bit of a throwback. Mm. In some ways, to some of the older stories, where you, it was a little bit more out there. Doctor was a bit darker. Based it was a bit siege. more based under siege. Yeah, it's I, it's a shame, really, because I I also feel like the production values of this one kind of went backwards. Like when you when you compare it to Spearhead from Space, which felt really budgeted and like they'd really gone for it, this felt like ah, we might have invested a bit too much in Spearhead in Space, lads. Um, what can you cobble together on five quid? Yeah, it is an interesting episode, and we've also got Keith Gold. Keith Gold, yeah, bit bit just you know, kind of aristocratic, bumbly, niceish fella. Can I just say? If I imagine Mark Gatiss playing any classic Cove character... Yeah, yeah, that's a Keith hell Gold. of a shout. <laughs> Mark Gatiss is Keith Gold. I think it is Mark Gatiss' uh, direct forebear yeah, it, is playing him. It's very Mycroft. As soon as I saw him, I thought, Mark Gatiss. You know, yeah. he has that kind of, oh, well, I shall raise it with the minister voice. Yes. It's all very, you know, toff. Mm. Isn't it? It's um yeah. I bought I bought a book recently about the BBC history, and there was like a tough character in that uh, that was very like uh, he sort of got mad because apparently he'd been told that some people had been lying to him about something. He went, "Well, they can't have. They went to school with me," as if that was the only justification. Like that's exactly what that is. It's proper tough aristocrat, but he's a nice character. He gets a whole car crash scene. Um, yeah, all right, good company. Which I and- have to say is potentially one of the best twists i've actually seen in doctor who because i fully thought he died yeah yeah the fact he comes back in just with his arm and saying oh yeah it was a crash it wasn't great but it's because it's obviously set up in that in that parallel universe that mm. he dies in a car crash you think oh god this is it it's history repeating itself they're not gonna make the changes that they need to in the prime universe to solve the problem uh but yeah and then i think the last one's petra 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 who gets quite an arc in this episode, actually starts out as being sort of a bit blind because she's been Starman's personal assistant for quite some time, it seems, but slowly comes to realise that her her boss may be slightly insane. Yeah, he she is one of the things where I partly agree with you about the consistency between the parallel universes don't have to make sense because in one she's her PA, his PA, and the other one she's a doctor. 
I don't. Yeah, it's just kind of like that okay. All the other ones I can kind of understand of Liz, of of section lead to Liz Short in a militaristic world. Going okay, I've joined the military. That's what the country wants me to do. I can justify that in my head. Yeah, I can. It's tricky because you can see yeah. some and you can't see others. Like, I mean, with every parallel world, you're taking a leap, aren't you? You're taking a suspension of disbelief in. But it shouldn't be about, and this is me going on another right thing, it shouldn't be about whether the idea is cool completely. Yes, the idea should be cool. You, you should think mm. when you're creating a parallel world, what would be the interesting changes that would create conflict or that would create drama or create good scenes and create a good story? But you do have to, especially if you're comparing it with the real world or another world in your story, you have to justify why those things are different and what that's saying about your story. Because if you don't, it just feels like you're doing it because it's cool and it doesn't add up to the whole. And I think that's why I think it's a waste of potential episode, because not everything they try adds up to the whole. And I don't quite know why. They, they put the parallel universe in, like what the precise thematic reason was for the writers to do it. And that leaves the episode feeling a little bit emptier than it should. Yeah. But her character was good, though. Uh, our time with her, I can see they were obviously the same character between the two parallel worlds. Yeah, very similar again. Job role. But it was, a, it was good to have her be in a more assertive role in the um, parallel universe. Yeah, I mean, that, that sequence that she's trying to get the power through, like right at the end before it yeah. all goes completely to shit, is great, actually. Mm. And Lethbridge Stewart being cowardly and trying to force him to take him and getting shot up, it's it's great. It's really interesting to see characters that you know flipped up and, and gets put in different situations. It's good fun. So shall we talk about the ending to bring this podcast to a close? I, I think so. Yeah, episode seven kind of just just wraps up what we knew. The Doctor re-emerges from the parallel yeah. world. He's, he's managed to get himself out by hooking up the TARDIS back to the nuclear reactor in the parallel timeline um, while that world has absolutely blown up and the characters have been rogue-wand. And then he goes in, beats the ever-loving shit out of a reactor. Yeah. And Stalman turns into a werewolf finally... They have a bit of a fight, and then it's all fine. Yeah. The ending makes sense. I've got no real issue with the ending. It's, no, it's it resolves everything. It's, it resolves. It's solid enough. The ending joke we tries to leave and ends up in a rubbish tip is funny. Yes. And it kind of feels is... like the perfect ending to that series, actually, because it, it sort of wraps up the idea that, oh, he does want to go, but he understands that he still can't, and he's got to learn to live with that. And yeah, and I do love the fact his last worst Brigadier is just purely insulting him. And he goes, bye! And then he comes back and goes, Brig, please help. Please. Yeah, goes, yeah can you can you can you earn me some people? What I what I said was hasty. <laughs> yes. It's it's good because I think obviously one of the great things about, let's say, New Who is um the whole idea that the doctor is running away from his problems. That's one of the things I like about that character. And I think why the ending works for me is that it's all about the fact that in this occasion, he can't run away from his problems. Yeah. He wants to, <laughs> he has he to accept can't. the consequences of the things he does. Yeah. And yeah. he just, he's just gonna have to learn with it with that. And that's going to be true when we get to season eight soon. Ooh. 
staying on Earth, staying with Unit, getting used to this new old Who, uh, which has been good fun so far. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. So obviously, spoilers ahead. Um, James, what do you give this out of ten? Uh, I'm going to give this a. I'm going to give this a five. Okay. Just going to throw it in the middle because I do like a lot of the parts of it, but while the ideas are good, they don't fully get executed. It's good fun, but a bit long. There are issues. There are positives. So I think down the middle is fair. So I'm going to give it a six, but I also want to okay. say something else. I was initially going to give this story higher, but. I had to rewatch it because I watched it like two weeks ago initially. (laughs) So I had to rewatch it again. And on the rewatch, I got very bored very quickly. So Mm. I'm going to knock it down a point to six. It is bloated. I think towards the middle, there's probably too much. There's just too much space and not enough great story to fill it. But but we've said that so many times about these seven part stories. They do feel a bit over bloated and, and like maybe there's four or five good episodes in there if you're lucky, but there's always going to be a bit of excess fat that they could have trimmed. Yeah, and I don't think for bizarre werewolf things help. No, they don't do anything. I think that's the big issue with this. If you take those out, you've got a pretty solid story here, but the werewolves sort of confuse and add to the melting pot. And yeah, they just didn't need to be in there. Yeah. Final question then before we wrap this up. Yep. Mustache and no eye patch, or eye patch and no mustache. Mustache, and I think this is slightly insulting, Nicola Courtney, because at the time, if you remember, he never he only put on the mustache to upage himself. <laughs> it was a fake yeah. mustache, so we essentially spent the entire episode just dissing um, Nicola Courtney. So Nicholas, uh, yeah, always mask your actual face. <laughs> so we love you, but but you want to hide that. You want to hide that apart. And with that, goodbye. Uh, yes. Well, before we say goodbye, where should people, what should people do if they want to listen to more of these, if they enjoyed this, Owen? People enjoy this sort of thing. Well, you know, hypothetically someone could. I mean, if you did, I'd suggest you maybe subscribe, give us a review, maybe a star rating of your platform allows it, you know, share it with your friends. That's what I would do hypothetically. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the hypothetical. And then, and then, all right, hypothetically, say they like really, really liked it. And like wanted to like say something about the episode, like like if Inferno made them feel really really hot, or just lukewarm, or cold all over. You know no, what would they, what would they do if they wanted to do that? If you have real reason why I put into this is to insult you, so I'll probably if if I was going to contact this show to insult you, which I is would, fair, which I would probably just tweet us, which I'm going to guess our Twitter account is at Black Archive Pod, or maybe that's a hell of a guess. <laughs> I I might actually just send you a long form essay about. Yeah, a nice little hate essay about all the yeah. things you dislike about me. Which I'll then probably email to something like blackarchivepod at gmail.com. Is that blackarchivepod at gmail.com with uh, no caps at all? Doesn't no matter. spaces or anything weird? Doesn't matter. You can't have emails with spaces. Exactly. It would be weird. So with that, goodbye, I guess. Yep. End of season, what happens next? Uh, and then season eight after that. We'll catch you then. Bye. Bye.